Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Greetings, fellow Fortians, and welcome to another episode of Investigating the Impossible with Tobias and Emily. As always, I'm Emily. And I'm Tobias. And today, for his third appearance on this podcast, we have Adam Benedict of the Pine Barrens Institute with us. Is it so, really third? Yes, it is. How did that happen? Well, he's three. He's got three books now. That's a good point. So I no, I think it's more than that because I think we did that. I oh. joined in on that Christmas. Oh, so it's the fourth wow, time. Wow, that's four. <laughs> or it could be the fifth. Actually, I think, I think you're right. Table once before too. Because we had you and Amber on. For Haunted America. And then did we have you on with Jay? I don't maybe. I remember with Eli. That was must have been Christmas. Yeah. So this might be the fifth uh, or sixth. Yeah. So <laughs> official lot. official guest host of the podcast, <laughs> Adam Benedict. Yeah, for real. Yeah. So yeah, as we were That's saying, good. Adam has a third book out now, which is mostly why we're here, but we'll see where this conversation leads us so uh yeah oddities in print uh and i gotta i gotta tell you i'm holding this book in my hands right now and i've owned smaller dictionaries um it is enormous how many pages is it adam it's like um i believe 726 that is dense i i couldn't stop (laughs) i just kept finding more and more and more and i was just like eventually i had that just be done with it. Well, you've oh, got Google it. says it. Uh, Amazon says it's three pounds. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you've got so much stuff in here now. Uh, I know we've talked about this uh, a little, uh, just between us. But for everybody out there listening, um, you know, this is a much more sort of eclectic collection uh, as opposed to say monsters in print or, or ghosts in print which I think we're, we're, we're fairly highly focused in terms of of subject matter you know this this new book oddities in print I mean it, it, it really includes quite a few different uh, subjects I, I, I think and so you know that probably goes a long way towards explaining the the uh, length but you know, honestly, I'd be interested in talking about that some. Um, what uh, what was sort of the criteria uh, for for what you included in this book? Like when you're looking at a, a weird news story or something, like like what what made the cut to be an oddities in print? There's usually two things. It was um, one, it had to be relevant to the time in which it was found, so it had to be something you know of that year or decade. Uh, that was classifiable as strange. And then pretty much the next one um, is like, if I had to read it like twice, or you know, after you read it, it just kind of sticks with you and you're like, well, wait, why would they do that? Or why would they describe it as something where it just kind of holds on? And it's like, okay, that's odd, <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean- I... Pretty much that's it. As long as it made it an impression in some way, Mm. Um, I, I considered it a highly. Okay, yeah. I mean, fair, fair enough. Um, now, uh, this really runs the, the, the gamut, like I, I, I said before, because just paging through it, you know, I found everything from, uh, you know, mysterious abductions to, to spontaneous combustion, you know, to, to uh, giants and, and similar stuff. Now, where am I going with this? I guess what... Hmm. 
Because I, I, having to, I, I get what you're saying, you know, with, with having to, to, to read it twice and, and, and sort of finding it odd, but, you know, that, that's such a huge category, you know? So what, when you were looking at something, were you looking for things sort of specifically like that fell more in the realm of, you know, uh, paranormal phenomena or, you know, even something sort of borderline, you know, you kind of get, can get into like uh, synchronicity and weird coincidences or, or things like that. You know, really like yeah. what? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'd say that um, it's just kind of ingrained at like already it's, you know, I'm, I'm naturally going to go towards the like the supernatural, the paranormal subjects and stuff. So that's always like in there. So right. I might like be looking for stuff that could be categorized as such without really even knowing it. So naturally a lot of those subjects would, would come into mind for things to search, uh, like the spontaneous combustion, like, um, you know, uh, disembodied voices, things like that. But then along with that, you know, categories would, would branch off of those, which then would, okay, let's, let's take it to a weirder subject now and not just disembodied voices, but second sight and uh, people, I don't know who are, you know, didn't have any bones, but were somehow still alive. Something that, <laughs> I don't know, it, it's, it's difficult to describe because when you, you get in that headspace where you're just, you're researching and researching and it's like, you don't remember how you got to a certain point. Right. But you, you got there somehow and you're like, okay, this is something that I haven't thought of before. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny that you mentioned the uh, the, the boneless man because I was literally just looking at that, and um, and it's wild. I mean, it's about somebody who uh, who wasn't supposed to, who like supposedly had no no bones in in his body. A, a Mister Arbuckle. Oh, wait, no, it was. And you could like twist it up and. Yeah, yeah. His neck was limber as a dishcloth. I guess. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah. That, that is, does not sound like a lot of fun, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, seriously, I, I, I'm I, a little dubious of this one, honestly. Yeah. I don't know. Well, this is from the Ottawa Free Trader, May 10th, 1884. So, I, huh. you know, I'm not sure uh, of the veracity of this story. I think maybe they might have made it up a little bit. I'm, I don't know for sure, but... Uh, also it's in the, it's set in the 80s the 1880s um also in that year or that decade near the end of it there is a story called a human cucumber and it's about a man who turned into a, a cucumber <laughs> well i mean you know that's just that that happens now yeah, it's uh clifton clarion july 24th 1889 um <laughs> a man turned into a cucumber. Is that just it's literally the entire story? Pretty much. It's like how he he, get, he gets like I believe he gets cut or something, and slowly like he undergoes like a change, and then eventually like he's hanging up in a barn, like seeds are pouring out of him or something like that. If I remember correctly. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, and of course, I, I I have to ask. So, when you were compiling these these news stories, you know, what what percentage of them? You know, and obviously, I'm not expecting you know real uh, stark accuracy here, but like, what what approximate percentage of them sort of read like they were created to to sell newspapers or or create tourism or or something similar? 
honestly, compared to the other two books, Monsters and Ghosts, mm. this one I think was harder to to differentiate between if they were real or fake, because that's that's one of the things that I think makes this one interesting. Why it spans so much? Because the stories were odd, of course. Like they didn't know how to describe them, but it didn't seem like they were building anything up. Like it seems like a lot of them they were describing exactly what they were seeing. Like especially with these strange atmospheric phenomena, um, like you know the uh, like the strange acts of lightning or like when a town would suddenly be plunged into darkness or you know raining blood quote unquote blood or, or fish or things like that mm-hmm. it was all very believable how they were describing it and you know you get the ones that that are like the boneless man or the cucumber man or or things like that where you're like okay this is this is a, a nice tall tale just to fill some page space or you get the ones where the people have an interaction with the devil things like that but for the most part a lot of them really read as if there is a, a good amount of truth behind them like the giant skeletons you know we've had stories of giant skeletons forever which they're if you really dig into it you know you can you can disprove a lot of them um, just as folklore or stories that have, have gotten out of hand but then there's some of them where it's like okay they're only describing something that's like eight feet tall or seven feet tall that's not out of the realm of possibility. So I don't know. I I I can't give like a percentage, mm-hmm. but it's much less than than ghosts and monsters for sure. Interesting. You know, because honestly, uh, uh, again, just flipping through here, and I I, I I I get what you're saying because you get some of these accounts. Like there's one just called you know singular case of abduction, and it's from uh well it was. Uh, reported by the, the, the Litchfield Inquirer in Connecticut, but apparently they pulled it from a, a French paper uh, saying that uh, a phenomenon as strange as it was frightful is now the subject of conversation at St. Pierre in the, I have no idea how to pronounce this, Oise maybe? Oise? I have no, I'm sure that's wrong. Two children have been carried off by a whirlwind in presence of their parents. Uh, and then the whole country within a circumference of two leagues has been visited without any news having Bene, I guess. Ben, probably. I think that might be a typo. Sorry for exposing that. Oh. Having been, That's probably not your fault, though. I assume that was in the, the actual newspaper. Having been heard of them, uh, it is feared that they were carried into the river. Huh. <clears throat> like, that sounds like a thing that could happen. Yeah. You know, honestly. And, well, and it also sounds... And that, that's actually... Hmm. That actual story, um, that was one that I took out and put back in and took out like multiple times because for some reason like it's so short that i was thinking well this doesn't really serve much it doesn't really tell anything right but that's where i can go back to where it, it, it leaves a memory because then you start thinking about it you're like okay well if it was a tornado you know a tornado would have been devastating to a much wider area but this is saying that just two little girls were picked up and carried away in the presence of their parents so it was something that almost seemed like it came directly for them mm-hmm. but it leaves such such amount of information to the imagination where you're just kind of left wondering like what was that like that's just weird it, it is doesn't weird. just happen yeah it's uh, it's it, it it's too strange it because you're you're right it's such a localized phenomenon you know to only affect two children with their parents there. I mean, do they even have tornadoes in France? You know, I thought that was more of a North American thing. So yeah, just the idea 
that you know this this weather phenomenon could be responsible. I mean, it seems unlikely, honestly, given the the, the circumstances. And yet, you know, if if this is true, you know, certainly yeah. something happened to, to those children. So, and you know, it's it was just interesting to me too because we're we're looking at this report and it's from 1843, which you know, like fairy lore outstanding was well before really there was an established narrative of anything like alien abduction or anything similar but you know right. it, it does bear uh, certain similarities with with that more modern phenomenon so um speaking of actually that segues nicely into my next question so <laughs> did you find any threads uh, sort of woven throughout these these old newspaper reports that seemed indicative of um, you know any any commonality with with, with more modern uh, phenomena or, or modern reports of, of similar experiences um, yes there is I I can't remember the um, the name or the year offhand but there's a story called I believe a it's something about a bugaboo a strange bugaboo or something like that that a queer old bugaboo is what it is oh okay i actually remember that from the uh the the table of contents so with with this one because it has um, such a weird name this one always stuck out to me as as interesting because what it is um it takes place october 9th 1883 um in delaware the daily gazette and it says what a little miss saw as she skipped along to the spring and it talks about a young girl who is going to the spring about 200 yards from her house for a bucket of water, about halfway there, an indescribable sensation came over her. Her hair felt as though it was standing on end with a heavy pressure on her shoulders. So she, she something was, was there that was really affecting her. And then she said that something came out from behind the tree, um, crossed the path in front of her and disappeared, hovering just above the ground, not touching that, it was covered with something like an old coat with sleeves hanging down on one side. Its head was covered with short, kinky hair, and it seemed to have no face, eyes, or feet. And then it just disappeared into an open space. So uh, what's interesting about this one is that you still, you know, get reports from people who, you know, have had an experience in the woods where they report having that just, like, sudden feeling of, like, pressure or... Like they're kind of being overtaken by a sensation around them only to see something you know quickly you know in their path or off to the side that's there and then gone within a flash you know this this young girl she's she said that this this feeling lasted until this thing disappeared and as soon as it was gone the pressure left you know her immediately she says that while the object was passing, she could not move out of her tracks or spoken had her life depended on it. And her mother reports that she was pale as a corpse when she reached the house. You know, you still hear like very similar accounts from people who have encountered something they can't explain that have those, those sen same sensations and feelings. You know, also there's a lot of reports of people seeing strange things in the sky um, lights that move like they realize they're moving not how they're supposed to move mm -hmm. um, they recognize what comets look like they recognize what um, you know asteroids and meteors and things like that how they're supposed to move but what they're reporting here is like 
you know, uh, what appears to be a comet or something is going, and then suddenly it stops, and then it'll shoot upwards, or it'll, it'll, you know, move in a circle or move in a figure eight, and they just stand there like bewildered at what they're seeing, and they they can't describe it accurately. So they just, you know, report it, and it gets listed as, you know, a singular event or a singular occurrence, something like that. Because even the the person reporting on it doesn't really know how to classify what you know they're being told so a lot of this stuff is still continuing to this day except now we've given these things names you know you know a strange light in the sky you know everyone wants to automatically classify it as a ufo or you know what this young girl saw perhaps people want to classify it as you know something bigfoot related or something quote unquote demon related you know something like they want to apply a name to it right away we have so many names that of course it would get something right away today but um while the names have changed on a lot of these things what people were reporting at the time doesn't seem to have changed much sure no i mean that 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 makes sense and i'm actually looking at one right now that it, this is a, a another relatively short um report but it you know it it sounds it's written credibly um, you know, as 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 far as I'm concerned, and it's just literally the headline is "Mysterious Red Lights Over the Spire of a Church," uh, as reported in the Sun, uh, November 18th, 1890, in New York, and it it basically just talks about these two red lights that uh, the the residents of uh, Danbury, Connecticut, saw over uh, the spire of you know this church in town on main street and how they thought maybe they were stars but then they realized that they were only about 200 feet from the ground um and that they hung out for like several hours and they would fluctuate in in terms of like brightness and uh yeah it just it just sounds strange you know but you get those reports today and and unlike today something like that couldn't be an airplane you know oh, it, right. it, it couldn't be the lights of a distant tower or or anything similar because we didn't have a whole lot in the air in 1890 oh gosh if anything besides birds yes and it was probably not glowing red birds would be, <laughs> would be my guess or kites maybe um, with, maybe with what with what on them that, that that would light up so reflectors i don't know yeah i don't that's Okay. It is interesting how, you know, they are making an attempt to to explain it. They're saying maybe it was electricity in some way played a, an important part in this strange display. It's like, yeah, right. maybe, but it wouldn't last for you know for hours doing this. If it was electricity, it'd be re- it'd be relatively quick. It would it would flash out pretty fast. But uh, I I don't think what they were seeing really had anything to do with with electricity oh yeah i mean i i i would agree you know not uh having been there of course i I couldn't say with any certainty but you know it 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 definitely seems strange and like i said interestingly enough it is something that is still reported today in in basically the exact same terms you know i I can't tell you how many ufo reports we've received uh, that are literally just somebody having seen a weird light in the the sky like this um and it'll remain stationary for a long time and it does weird things like blink or you know get brighter and then dim and then like just disappear and uh, you know like i said people like to write that kind of stuff off in the, the the modern era as you know a misidentified airplane or something but 
you know, it definitely wasn't back then. And so I think that leaves some room for doubt today still that that's necessarily what, what, what people are saying. And then right after this one is honestly something that, that would have fit really well into uh, Monsters in print. You know, mm-hmm. because like literally this talks about a traditional wild man, whatever a traditional wild man is, <laughs> prowling about one of Chicago's suburban towns. There are a few stories, I will say, that uh, there are, you know, monster stories in there. Not a whole bunch of them. There's just like a, a little few sprinkled throughout. Same with ghosts, because, mm. you know, ones that didn't make it into the other one that I thought were, were fun would make it into this one. I can't, you know, you can't go without those because they really chalk up the time from where they're, when they come from. But um, this one is interesting because it sounds like they're describing a Bigfoot in Chicago, along the uh, along the border of Chicago. You know, a whole bunch of people watched it, and it, at, near the end, by the way, they describe it, it almost sounds like a troll, in a way. It, it, it's sat between like two bridges and sat or crouched on a small rock uh, that showed above the surface of the ice where it remained for a few seconds hissing through its teeth and waving its long arms to like get these people to go away. So it's just a really strange, strange story. And, you know, being around Chicago and stuff where everyone knows of Chicago today, you know, it it makes it more fun. But at the time, you know, it was just, it was close to the wilderness. It was, you know, things we see around here, people would see there too. So I don't know, it's just just a fun one. So, you know, what's, what's, what's interesting to me about this report is that, you know, we still get reported encounters like this today you know um people think of of chicago and and they think of this highly urban area you know and 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 that's just not the case like certainly downtown yes you know obviously but you don't have to get too far away from that you know before you're getting in, in into the suburbs and there is a lot of uh, natural areas that um, that run right up to the, the the city itself, especially now. This took place on the this Plains River, right? And we still get weird reports from from that area, and it has a lot of wildlife that 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 lives there, and it is a, a, a relatively uh, natural area, you know, in 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 terms of of that like geographic area, um, and there's all kinds of forest preserves and nature preserves and, and and everything, and so it's not as weird as it sounds. It's not that weird to me mm-hmm. to hear somebody report something like a hairy humanoid like near Chicago, because you know, like I, again, this thing wasn't walking down Michigan Avenue. No. You know, it was it was out in in an area where we still get like flying humanoid reports and and, and right. weird stuff like that. Right. So you know, it's far enough outside of that that really heaven like heavily like urbanized area where I mean, it's still weird, but it's not you know, it's not Hercules in New York. You know, like it's it, you know, it, I, I don't have a hard time picturing it. Right. Right. So, but anyway, <laughs> Hercules in New York. Have, have you ever seen that? No, I have not. Oh boy, it's something else. Adam, have 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 you ever seen Hercules in in, in New York? Like, does anybody have any idea no. what I'm talking about right no. now? So it's it's Arnold Schwarzenegger's first movie, Interesting. and yes, he plays Hercules. But if you watch it, it's very jarring 
because they didn't like his thick Austrian accent, so they dubbed over it with this voice that sounds nothing like him, and it is hilarious. <laughs> so, anyway. Today I learned. Yeah, there you go. That's another weird fact to go with all of the weird facts you will learn from Oddities in Print. Now, getting back to the, uh, the, the book here, what are some of, like, your personal... And I, I hate to do this, but okay, I, I, I'm not going to go with what are some of your personal favorites because nobody likes that question. But I will go with what stories stuck out to you as being of particular interest in the sense that they sounded the most plausible. Oh, sounded the most plausible. I honestly, I believe the the strange sights in the sky. They're they're just because of how they you know continue to occur and then they had the huge flap of strange airship sightings and then even today you know where we're at with uh ufo disclosure and stuff like that seeing how far this stuff has gone back and being been reported on i believe i put the most credibility in those ones Mm -hmm. even the ones where it, it seems kind of odd where they're like oh the people saw you know men on the ship and they heard them talking in an english accent things like that it's like Okay, I think the you know the writer might have added a little bit of spin to the story, but for the most part, I believe that you know the witness did truly see something. Like okay. I, I don't I I don't think there's any doubt in that. Um, another one I think is the oh what is it? Trying I don't know. <laughs> I I don't know. My mind just completely went blank. It happens. <laughs> Well, there is a. I mean, there 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 are definitely to, like it just, it just completely cleared out. Oh, <laughs> that happens to me all the time. There are uh, some interesting airship sightings. Uh, this one that you know is, is titled "Claim They Saw a Flying Airship" from this, the San Francisco Call, November eighteenth, eighteen ninety six. It has the little subtitle "Strange Tale of Sacramento Men Not Addicted to Prevarication." So that is important to know. So. For anybody not familiar, prevarication is basically just lying. So the the, the subtitle to this article is just, is telling you that these men from Sacramento are not addicted to lying. So if you thought they were, just get that thought right out of your head. It says right here, they're not addicted to it. Which apparently, I didn't know that you could yeah, get addicted to it. Yeah, right? Uh, but no, I, you know, because I was going to ask you if there were a lot of airship sightings. Just considering the um, the time frame within which you're working here, you know, it's it, the late 19th century. Obviously, was um, a very popular time for people to report uh, airships and, and similar phenomena. But yeah, no, there are there are a few in here, and they are interesting. Um, now, there, there's one story that I'm, I'm thinking of, you, know, you know, to go back to the question you asked before, mm-hmm. to something just kind of popped in my mind. Um, there's two stories in particular that for some reason they've really, like, burned themselves into my mind. And I don't know, if, like, if I believe them. I don't know if they're just kind of creepy. I don't know what it is about them. But there's two in particular. One of them is called The Visitors. It's from December 13th, 1882 from the Watertown Republican. And it's talking about a a man who was a night watchman and on different occasions while making his rounds, an an apparition confronted him. He 
he did not want to talk about it to his job or to his family. Um, and he became so unnerved that he was forced to give up his job. He says that the visitors were seen periodically for a year and were in human shape, silently flittering about and were always preceded by a stifling smell of sulfur. After leaving the colliery where the visitations appeared, the visitations then appeared at his house and were witnessed by his wife, who the other night saw an apparition in her bedroom and in her fright to arouse her husband, a revolver which they had under the pillow went off, the ball entering uh, her chest. After suffering great pain, she died the next day. So this this man was seeing something, you know, for a while, and then his wife saw it and actually ended up dying from it because I'm thinking she probably reached for the gun to take a shot at it, whatever it was. And just just the visualization of like these things, just like floating around as if they don't even know you're there, but you can see them, like is very creepy to me. That is very creepy. And yeah, I think this is another one where, you know, different people would sort of um, interpret this in, in different ways. You know, uh, I think if somebody was particularly interested in ghosts and hauntings, they would sort of uh, examine it in that light. If they were interested in alien visitation, then, you know, perhaps they would start thinking about something like that. But, um, you know, like the fact is, it's just weird. It, it, you know, I, I, I think that odd is probably the, the, the best way to put it. And, you know, it just reminds me so much of the reports that we still see of, well, you know, seemingly singular phenomena that, um, that, that doesn't really match up with, with anything, you know, um, and, uh, and this is a huge collection of it. You know, I I just find that so fascinating. So um, the one thing I, I wanted to mention, though, I was looking at some of the, uh, the airship reports, and these are, for anybody interested in UFOs, like these are such good reports because too often, you know, you get just sort of the handful of uh, airship reports from the 1890s, and it's always the same ones. And they're often kind of goofy with like, you know, a guy comes down on a rope and says he invented it, but he's got to be in Newark by morning or whatever. And then like flies off and you're like, okay, dude, that, that probably for sure happened. But, um, you know, reading through some of these, you know, they talk about people seeing these, um, these airships and they've got, you know, like they've got powerful lights on them. And they always described them as like like a headlight or yeah. you know the light on the front of a train or a spotlight something you know very large and very powerful that they they all recognize but it's moving in a way that they've never seen before and it's also you know slowly moving over at their town as if it's looking for something that's what a lot of them would do and that adds to the creep factor as well oh definitely like like this one is described as uh... Uh, let's see. It's a dark object. Okay, so I'll, I'll just read this, this person's quote. As it came nearer, I could see that there was some dark object along with the light. When it was nearly overhead, I could clearly distingu distinguish that it somewhat resembled a balloon traveling end-on with a bright light ahead, another one beneath it, and with what appeared to be wings both before and behind the light. And what that reads like to me is somebody doing their best to describe something that they really have no frame of reference for using, you know, shapes and, and, and objects and imagery 
with which they might actually be familiar. But if you sort of strip that stuff away and you just you just take it for 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 what it is, sort of the 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 pure description, you know, that matches a lot of weird UFOs that people still see today. It it yeah. it really does. Yeah. Which again, yeah, it's just it's just really really interesting. So I think that anybody interested, yeah, well, in in ufology or really just you know forty and weirdness like those kinds of reports would probably get a lot out of this. Well, I just randomly flipped to Art of the Dowser, and I love this: the mysterious water finders of England, smacks of black magic. That's great. I guess I, I, I did. Oh, go ahead. I. Uh... There are like there are stories like that that I just because I've always loved them so much since I was young and you know continuing on into adult you know like stories of the Dowsing Rod because it brings up the the episode of In Search of where they did yeah Leonard Nimoy is talking about you know expert Dowser users and uh, there's stories in there of people who claim to invent a perpetual motion machine people who claim to discover the philosopher's stone um, things like that where they're just they're just fun you know a lot of them you know there there's a lot nothing to you know some of those ones but just to you know remember that at one point people were like legit writing about this guy might have discovered the philosopher's stone or this guy you know created a perpetual motion machine like it's just i long for the days of that where you could open a newspaper and be like who discovered you know how to turn base metals into gold today <laughs> so you'll find stuff like that in there too, which are you know it, it breaks up the creep factor, I think, pretty well. Right. Well, I just like that. Apparently, the art of dowsing smacks of black magic. Like what? What? Okay. Like which part? Is it the holding the stick? Is it finding water? Like which part of this? It's smacking is... with the stick with the rod. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I mean, seriously, like, which part of this is so terrifying to people in 1896 that they associate it with black magic? Oh, hilarious. Oh, I, I did. I just found the other story that I was talking about earlier, the, the one that kind of burnt itself into my brain. Uh-huh. It is called Mysterious Footprints. Um, it's from October 28th, 1875. And it's not that long, so I'm just, I just, I'm going to read it real quick because I, I like this one a lot but it says the, the a word I can't pronounce it's a town I can't pronounce so I'm not even going to try but it says the union tells this extraordinary tale a few days ago a phenomenon of a very singular nature occurred at the residence of a Mr. Veter at number 37 Albany Street Mrs. Veter at the time was engaged at her household duties and all of a sudden she was confounded and astonished according, according to her statement by what seemed to be a flash of light that filled the room for a moment with a brilliant illumination. She was so overcome by the strange occurrence that she screamed at first, but the light having disappeared, she regained her composure, and to her still greater astonishment, happening to cast her eyes towards the ceiling of the kitchen where she was at the time, she saw the mark of a child's foot on the wall overhead. She stood a moment contemplating the object on the ceiling when she saw another mark, precisely like the first, begin to develop itself on the ceiling, which soon appeared in full, being the print of a child's foot, corresponding exactly to the other one. She became alarmed and rushed from the room. Proceeding to a neighbor's, she called in another woman and both watched the curious affair. Soon after, another other footprints developed themselves on the wall when another lady was called in, but the footprints continued to multiply. 
This curious development went on until the ceiling of the kitchen was almost covered with these tracks, crossing the wall in different lines of direction. And soon after, similar marks were seen in quite a number on the ceiling of an adjoining bedroom. These marks in both rooms were all of a child's foot, and were all of the same size and precisely alike in all respects. The ceiling, like all, all others at this time of year, is more or less colored, and the marks on the wall look like white spots of the foot shape. The marks are still on the wall, although some of them have been rubbed off. So, like, these feet prints just started appearing as if something was walking all over the house after this flash of light. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it, and, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I'm assuming that it's, it's footprints, like, walking, like, you know, left and right and left and right. They don't explicitly say that, but it makes the most sense. But it is, I mean, it is really, really interesting. Like, w- what was the flash of light? You know, like, how does that relate to, like, mysterious right. footprints? And the only interaction they have, this, uh, this phenomenon, whatever it is, is witnessing these footprints, like, and watching them appear. Wow. I yeah, mean, I, it I, is interesting. I could just imagine myself, like, in my own home, and all of a sudden just watching these things. And I would, I would think I was going crazy. Oh, oh for sure. Yeah. Not at all. I would really question my own sanity on what I was seeing. Yeah, that is, I mean, that's that, that's really something else. You know, honestly, I think this might be a, a good way to sort of, like, close like close it out, but, or, you know, sort of at least head it in, in that direction. So, when looking at, at these stories, you know, were there any that you thought, and I, you know, this I don't want this to be too, like, loaded of a question or anything, um, because none of us are probably qualified to answer it to a great degree, but... Did you see anything in there that sort of had the air of authenticity, but you didn't think necessarily um, was likely to be, you know, paranormal? Like, did anything sort of stand out as, you know, maybe like a misidentification or, you know, something that, that might have sounded like undiagnosed mental illness or, any, or anything similar? Because I think that's something that people don't really talk about a lot, but you see it today, and so, like, why would it not exist back then? Not that I can think of offhand, but something along those lines that, you know, can easily be described away today through, like, a medical diagnosis or something like that. Yeah. There, there's a bunch of stories in here. It, I, have a, I have a sweet spot for stories like this. Like, the, freak, the freaks of nature one you know the half Mm. half man half alligator half you know rooster boy baby born with wings you know things like that while the stories themselves are they're they're super fun i i love them it you know it reminds me of you know like ripley's believe it or not you know things like that while the stories themselves are fun it's like looking at it through a lens today it's like you know people just didn't know how to describe or deal with you know a birth defect or a medical, um, you know, deformity, something like that. So they created these these stories, you know, to help, you know, bring people up to speed with what was going on in the neighborhood, and you know, to help, you know, possibly even get the family money for people coming to see it. But a lot of those today, you know, are easily explained away by some sort of medical anomaly or, or something like that. So a lot of those, you know, I think fall into that category where it's, you know, while they're fun to read. You, you do got to look at them with, you know, a modern a modern eye just to see what was really going on, going on there. Oh, sure. You know, well, and, you know, just prepare yourself for the uh, inevitable backlash from, 
from a, a, a lot of neckbeards on the internet who are going to well actually us all into oblivion by oh pointing out the, the, the stories in this book that might be able to be explained by things like medical science and then be like, well, that, well, actually, that's not very odd. That's just severe eczema or, or something. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I actually did. You know, I put that in the introduction, something along those lines, you know, saying to fully appreciate these tales and events, it is beneficial to put yourself in the mindset of someone who was alive back then, someone who did not have access to unlimited information at the touch of their fingertips, someone who cannot instantly verify the science behind a strange phenomenon, you know, someone who did not have the means in which to learn about medical, atmospheric or natural sciences in a single afternoon. You really have to turn your mind off to enjoy them or else that's what you're going to do right away you're going to be like well that's not weird it's this that's not odd it's it's just this that was a comet that was a, a mirage that was you know what you don't have to just be <laughs> you know constantly critiquing things sometimes it's just have fun while you're reading because yeah it's a lot of these can be explained away a lot of them can't but you know if, if you want to poo-poo everything then you know have at it Leave a one-star review. It doesn't have pictures. They're not odd. Anything like that. Well, just be, you know, be unhappy. There, we both know there is no room for fun in this field. So, you know, people just need to, like, forget about that. Fun ever. <laughs> no, I... Okay. I, I I completely agree, and that's, you know, honestly, that's why I was thinking of a way to work it into the, the conversation, because it's something that I very much wanted to, to touch on, because I think that's such a good point. Um, and, you know, for everybody who wants to try to seemingly explain away um, a lot of the stories in here, you know, obviously the opposite of that would be, well, you know, given the information that we have based on these newspaper reports, um, it's very difficult to identify anything uh, in uh, in anything involved or whatever these people experienced or, or anything else. And so, you know, based on that limited information, about all you can do, I think, is is compare it to sort of the the, the wider breadth of of lore with which we are familiar. And then, you know, just have fun with it. Uh, let your imagination go wild and uh, and just enjoy what is, you know, mm -hmm. just a lot of fun to read, you know? And so we're getting to that point in the podcast where despite this vicious cold or whatever I have going on, I'm sure people have noticed that my voice does not sound right by now. Um, we are getting to that point where I realize that I've done most of the talking between... <laughs> Between Emily and uh, and myself, so I like to just check in. And uh, Emily, any final questions, thoughts? Well, I'm obviously excited to dig into this book. I think as somebody who like has a curiosity cabinet and just loves weird stories, I'm probably the most excited about this compared to the other two. Like the other two are great, of course, but the weirder the better. So I guess my only question is, um, and I feel like I've asked this before, and I'm sorry if I have. But where does this lead you in terms of writing more of these collections of newspaper stories? Or not, I guess not writing. Compiling. Compiling newspaper stories. Do you have thoughts about doing any more of these? Or do you have any other ideas for projects down the line of any nature? I, I do. As, as they go along, and you know, I, I'm the first one to point out when people are like, oh, you're... You're an author and you're a writer. It's like, no, I'm just, I, I compile these because I love the history of it and I 
Right. Yeah, the, to imagine that this history gets lost or is never read by someone again, like that, I hate that idea that someone so long ago took the time to write this and that it just gets lost to history. Right. I don't like that. Yeah, so that's I, a I just point. think of it as, you know, being able to bring this back out so people can read these again and enjoy them as they were originally intended. Like, that's, that's why I, I do it. Um, I don't take credit for, you know, writing these stories and stuff. I just compile them all together and throw them back out there. So as I'm doing that, I'm always, you know, paying close attention to, okay, so this one can't fit into this one, so I'll save it, you know, in a separate file. Sure, yeah. And then, you know, I'll kind of hold on to that idea. And as I roll along more and more, you know, we'll start filling up that file. And that's what happened with this one, because this has got, you know, 600 plus stories in it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i came across a lot of unique kind of morbid stuff that didn't make it into this one that you know may possibly come next mm-hmm. so that is something along the, the death side maybe coming next that would um, be really I haven't cool said a lot. i think people um, would really enjoy that i mean with the idea of you know death in print Something like that, because anyone knows who's, who's spent just a few hours reading through old newspaper accounts, they did not skip on the details. No, absolutely, yeah. There are assumptions of what happened, and I think that would make for a, a, a very interesting read. It just seems natural after getting into, you know, oddities, the stuff that's touched on here. Why don't we go deeper and darker a bit? Oh, for sure. You might have to break that up into two volumes, though, because there are a lot of those, I bet. Right, and, like, it's just interesting, because, like, that like, the further you go back, the more connected humanity and society were to their own mortality, so I don't think they had any natural desire to on those details. They were very honest and real about it, compared to, like, what death culture is now in our society, so... I, I can only imagine the amount of stories out there. Sure. Fascinating. Well, okay. I am excited. We got a, mm-hmm. a nice sneak preview into into possibly Adam's next project. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, honestly, everybody listening, you need to check out uh, Oddities in Print. If you haven't checked out Monsters in Print and Ghosts in Print, we, have, we of course, highly recommend those as well. Um, they all, I mean, they're fun to read. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a nice coffee table book to be able to pick up. Uh, and put down at your leisure because, you know, literally uh, a lot of these newspaper articles, they're of, of a few paragraphs. And so you mm-hmm. can pick it up, you know, just read a few articles on something bizarre you've never heard of before. And then and then just put it down and pick it back up later, you know, when you, you, you have a, a, a few minutes to, to get weird again. But if you're um, a researcher, I do have to say, let, mm, let me interrupt just real quick. You got it. I have wondered people before who have asked about the books. And I have gotten responses where people will say, "Oh, I'm not. I'm not a history fan. I don't. You know, I, I history doesn't interest me. You don't have to be a fan of history to enjoy. Oh, sure. They yeah. just they come from a historical time. It's not like history. Mm-hmm. You know, in school, it's not like you know a thorough breakdown of a historical event. It's a yeah. We're not brief, asking anybody to memorize but, facts. <laughs> yeah, it's a brief glimpse into a time. You know, a hundred years ago to show that. It, it's just like it is today. You know, people were weird. They saw weird things. They did weird things, and they enjoyed weird things. So, oh, for sure. The, if you like that stuff, you like it. You don't have to be a, a history teacher or scholar or anything like that to enjoy them. 
Oh, definitely. Yeah, no, that is that is well said and uh, uh, an excellent point that I yeah I think people should really keep in mind. So, where can people find your books? Uh, they they they're on Amazon right now. I am looking into you know possibly getting a stock and things like that um, in the future, but they can be found at Amazon. You can also get direct links to them from um, the website pinebarrensinstitute.com. Uh, now that the book is done, I'm going to be, you know, posting up a few articles on there and stuff before the, I guess, the next one starts. So shifting from one project to another and then back and forth whenever whenever I feel like it, pretty much. Yeah, fair enough. And, you know, that that is something else that, that we should mention. So Adam also has a, a, a website um, for the uh, organization that he started, the Pine Barrens uh, Institute. And so you can find that at uh, pinebarrensinstitute.com. And uh, it is fantastic. Uh, it has a lot of interesting articles on everything from folklore to you know creature sightings. Um, just a, a fantastic resource for anyone interested in Fordian phenomena. Uh, so definitely check that out. And then uh, if people want to uh, keep abreast of what you're up to, uh, where are you on social media? Um, I, there is a Facebook page. I'm not active on that at all. That pretty much just directs you to, hey, I'm active on Twitter and I'm active <laughs> on Instagram. So, so Twitter, um, at PBI underscore crypto, and then Instagram is Pymarins Institute. And all of this is you know on the website if, if uh, you want direct links and stuff like that. But I'm not active on Facebook for the website or the books, really. Okay, so you heard it here first. Don't expect Adam to be active on Facebook. Um, <laughs> but I can attest uh, to the uh, prodigious level of activity on Instagram and Twitter. So, yep. uh, you know, probably just follow uh, Pine Barrens Institute on Facebook just to be safe. But yeah, definitely, if you want to interact with uh, with Adam and, and see what he's up to, you know, Twitter and, and Instagram are, are great ways to do it. So, uh, Adam, thank you so much. Uh, it's always great to have you on here. Uh, you're certainly one of our, our favorite uh, Fortean friends to, to talk to. Um, and Aww. this has been, of course, another wonderful conversation. Absolutely, we really appreciate it. I always enjoy, always enjoy uh, the chat. It's always a fun time. Rad. Well, as to the rest of you guys, stay weird. That's right. Keep it weird, everybody. We'd like to give a special shout out to Kaylee Brewer and Andrew Frisk for their support in this episode. Thank you so much. We literally couldn't do it without you.